0: Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast, still going strong in the offseason, well, postseason off-season for the Rockies, still going strong thanks to Strava Craft Coffee. And you've got to be able to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do, you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, a deliciously rich and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we got to discuss what's going on inside the world of baseball. Just give our thoughts on what is happening out there, Patrick, because it's a lot. There's been a great deal of baseball. There have been some big surprises already, some big moments in this postseason, more stuff from A few old friends, a couple of big topics, including one I wanted to weigh in on when it comes to Hall of Fame and and particularly catchers. And you obviously know the specific person we're we're going to get into there. Uh, But, Patrick, the the title of this episode, I think fairly so, you know, the topic, a, a question I can't believe we're asking. I can't believe I would ever ask before, but is a fair one, which is, is too much baseball
1: a bad thing? No, no, <laughs> there's no such thing as too much baseball. Good night, everyone. though. There we go, we're done, we covered it. Though, I, I, I do think there is, you know, um, such a thing as not being able to focus in on the most important parts of baseball when every part of baseball is important. So... Yesterday of course there were 8 games the first time in the in the history of the postseason not because the teams this year did something so extraordinary that baseball said shoot you know what you guys are so fantastic we're just going to blow up the rules right here in the middle of this for no particular reason just because this is so amazing no it, it had to do with you know creating a bubble situation and you know if the season was 3 weeks long they could justify saying, well, you know what? Shoot, if we bring 16 teams into the playoffs, we take them down to Arizona in a bubble or Florida, whatever it may be. You know what? 16 of those 30 teams that did really well for those three weeks, we're going to have some of the best teams in there. We might not have all of them. We'll have enough that it'll justify this new bubble situation. As it were, they got through the whole season, which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and And because of that, we have a new – series a new round of games whereas previously it was a wild card game for one team to be in that final 4 in the AL or NL and this year they just opened up and said well shoot let's let's just have a whole wild card round a wild card series so there were eight games four in the AL four in the NL there's three or four going on at the same time and i think it was a little overwhelming in in a lot of ways you yeah. wanted to stop and watch and say I just want to focus right now on Atlanta and Cincinnati. They're they're scoreless through 12, 13 innings. It was rather historic, you know, and with other games going on, you, you're you flipping back and forth a little bit. So, no, there's no such thing as as too much baseball, but I, I do think, you know, uh, viewers and, and hardcore baseball fans didn't really get a chance to absorb all of it in that moment.
0: Yeah, you know, I've always been a big proponent of, it's a game of nuance. It's a game of the little things that you 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 only get the most out of the game when you can sit through every pitch of the at bat and all the little things that happen in between and all the things that uh, you and I talk about as well as anybody out there watching the game. Whether you're sitting down at the DNVR bar, you're at your house with your friends, your family, that if you're really really into the game. You're talking about uh, there's never a quiet moment, right? There's always something going on. What pitch you think he's going to go with here? Do you see how far that guy is off of there? Do you notice that shift here? Who's that warming up in the bullpen there? Oh, did you see the third baseman moved in a little bit after two strikes or he moved back a little bit? Oh, do you think they're playing it? What do you think about the bunt here? I don't know if you'd let him go with it. All game long, every situation, and then after each pitch, you do it all again, right? So when you're trying to watch eight games at a time, whereas I feel like that's the only way to watch football. Sorry. And I don't, (laughs) and I don't dislike football, especially not the sport. I struggle sometimes with the NFL, but football uh, is a game I've always very much enjoyed. And and it's still like, you got a red zone, that thing, man, you gotta, you gotta hop around. There's so much dead time, but, and I know people feel that way about baseball, but I, I just have a very hard time watching baseball this way. So I'm with you. Like, I don't, we've talked about our philosophical differences with doing this on the regular, like why it just doesn't get you the best baseball product at the end of the day. Um, but it, it is, it's completely overwhelming to me. It's just like, I just want to sit with one game and one set of announcers and one storyline or group of storylines. Cause there's a million storylines in one baseball game that, that you can follow. So try to keep track of now multiply that by eight. And it's just like, my brain hurts I can't remember who I also get stuff mixed up a lot. Right. Cause it's like the count and that game was it two, two on that guy or was it two? No, he was in a one, two count. So I thought he was going to throw the fastball and then I'm just, everything's jumbled up in my brain and I'm like, I can't, I got to pick, I got to pick one. <laughs>
1: You want to focus on one game at a time. Do you want do you want to have one set of announcers for one day at a time? Because also those that tuned into ESPN got 10 hours of coverage of Matt Vasgershin, yeah, Alex Rodriguez. Oh, good. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, I, I th- yeah. yeah, Red Zone is the perfect example where that's that's how you should watch football, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, and there's there's not as many things going on. There's those, you know, dead moments in between plays. Uh, I don't think there's as much conversation going on in between plays in in football when when you when you're watching the game because there's so many other things going on it's like the action of of the play is the only thing happening and then when it stops everything stops right and you're just I mean, waiting they had for the coach next
0: and the coordinator are making the decision on what play to call and everybody else is like just hanging out waiting yeah. to be told where to go and what to they do they get in a
1: huddle so they get in a group of, guys let's just hang out for a second Let's catch our breath. Let's just do something together. Or we're, we're we're all going to do this play. All right, let's go do the play and do the play. Coordinating clap. I mm-hmm. I I didn't play past pop Warner, so that's that's how I remember it. But baseball oh. is not that. But baseball is not that kind of game. I think I was thinking of this today about you know why for so long baseball was America's national pastime. You know, it's it's not anymore. I, I, but uh, why why it got that name? And you know, it it the first ever. Uh, game um, Had its roots in Manhattan and in in the hustle and bustle of Manhattan They said "Well, you know what we need to get away from this We need to maybe kind of get back to our roots and so they 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 took a boat over to Hoboken, New Jersey, and they played a game in Elysian fields the New York Knickerbocker Club and so they got away from again the the craziness of the city and they played a slow you know pastoral game where they could have conversation in between uh, have snacks in between you know I don't know what the daily regimen was of ball players at that time but but the game was it started out slow it still is that way the game hasn't changed and as you said you know you're having conversations about you know what should happen on this play and what you know? What what's going to be the next strategy? Let's look ahead to the next inning because it lays out that way very you know linearly in 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 a sense. Whereas you can't say, well, what are the Patriots going to do you know in the third quarter here? Well, it's the beginning of the second half. What right. happens in the third quarter will be dictated on on what's happened. Right. Two sixes. In the next ten in the minutes. Game is a completely different thing, right? <laughs> Precisely. So I I, I think you know, not being able to kind of, you know, give baseball, you know, your undivided attention was a, was a slight, you know, shame, but at the same time there was just enough really good baseball on that. Yeah. You may have missed every single pitch in Atlanta, Cincinnati, but you made up for it with, for, for Oakland and Chicago. If you stayed up to watch the, the Yankees Cleveland game, you know, that went on for nearly five hours. It was the longest game in history, period. We're not talking playoffs, we're talking, no. uh, we're, we're we're talking baseball, like regular season, postseason. It was nearly five hours, and to think that it didn't involve the Dodgers is kind of crazy. But yes, yeah. but nevertheless, and and so there's all these storylines again with with players being on different teams. You know, it was, you know, the state of Ohio really got stung because you had uh, Giovanni Urshela, who came up with Cleveland as a third baseman. They eventually let him go. He's caught fire now at the Yankees, goes and hits um, a, a grand slam to tie the game earlier today on Thursday when we we're recording this, uh, at a point in which Atlanta pretty much had already wrapped up the game against Cincinnati. Former Reds outfielder Adam Duvall crushed a two run home run. So the state of Ohio totally wiped out in a twenty four hour period. Um, you know pretty 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 tough to, if you're uh if you're from the Buckeye state. I was but- say it
0: got bucked in the eye, man.
1: They did. They did. But there's there, like you said, there's all these interesting stories. You know, yesterday we touched on some Rockies players kind of doing some things, getting it done. There were a lot of Padres, ex Padres players getting it done. Not Padres players themselves, because they lost. Because they lost. That's right. A lot of ex Padres players. You saw Josh Naylor doing it really big, seeing that kid hit that double and just fired up. And even if you're not a lip reader. Uh, you know what that one silver word was? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I think you did. So yeah. it was uh, it, it was an exciting day of baseball, and uh, I don't know if we'll ever have it again, and and that's okay.
0: Right, right. What a what a wonderful way to be able to put it. I'm I'm so glad you said it that way because like not everything has to be a fight. Not there doesn't have to be right a negative takeaway. So just the fact that we don't want to see this again. Doesn't mean that we aren't incredibly thrilled that we got to see it. Now, no, that's an okay place to be. Uh, also, an okay place to be is on your DraftKings Sportsbook app, where you can make yourself a little extra dough, a little extra cash. You can make your sports watching experience that much more fun because. You've got a little bit of skin in the game. It can make it a lot of fun, and you don't have to go crazy with it either. You throw a few bucks here or there. You find some fun odds. You sit back and watch. You go, hey, maybe you make a little extra dough. You do that a few times. Suddenly, they start throwing money at you just so you can, again, take a flyer on whatever you feel like might be working for you out there they still got that fantastic deal going on over there in the NFL, where if you are a new user and you use that promo code DNVR, they'll hook you up with a $1 bet to win 100 bucks. All you got to do is pick a team to win, not cover a point spread or score a certain number of touchdowns or do any of this nonsense. They got to win the football game. You bet $1. You walk away with a 100 bucks. That's for new users who use that promo code DNVR over there at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Uh, profit boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.
1: And I will follow that up with your DraftKings pick of the week. Lock it in now because – the rates might end up changing and it's for a game that we're not going to see until next week, believe it or not, uh, because a lot of the American league is already wrapped up and that is the Yankees and Rays series. I'm not sure if that one's in LA or San Diego, but it will be in California. I know that where the Yankees and Rays should play naturally. Of course. Um, Well, actually to be fair, for Tampa's home games, they should be in San Diego or LA may,
0: (laughs) may as well. Uh, that's, that's hilarious, but I I actually, I don't know if I ever said, I really liked the way they did that. You laid it all out the other day in one one of the podcasts, why they did that. And I don't know that I ever fully said, I think that was brilliant to make them play in non-familiar parks to make it a totally even playing field as best they could considering the bubble. I I think they handled that for everything else that major league baseball has not handled well this season that, and we've got to say, COVID never turned into a total disaster in 2020. The season never got shut down early on, Patrick. I know you and I were having a lot of conversations, you know, off air going, they might not be able to pull this thing off. And they did, and they did relatively well. So tip of the cap to Major League Baseball for getting through this thing and the absolute best that could have been hoped for.
1: And I'm sure we'll we'll touch on it again because the, the Rockies and what they did um, their, their entire, you know, public relations staff and how they were able to treat us in the press box was just, you know, just A-plus, you know, top of the line, um, super classy, you know, set up and everything. We felt very safe. I know I did. I know yeah. you did. We went out there plenty of times. They had all the safety precautions there, and it was, it was really impressive. So um, hats, off, hats off to them. But if we're talking about the, the American League playoffs and uh, the second round, which is now the Divisional Series, um Yankees and Rays, you know, I didn't think the, the Yankees were gonna get past Cleveland in the first round. And I figured if they did, uh all bets were off. Once once they got past that hurdle, much like with Minnesota, who yeah. has now apparently not won a series since, you know, Kirby Puckett, Kent Herbeck, uh, uh and Gary Gaetti were on the the Minnesota Twins. But Had they all-star Kirby, but, but had they, you know, been able to get past Houston, you go, okay, finally they got rid of that little curse that they seem to be plagued by right now. And they, they're going to go on to have success. Well, they got knocked out. We'll never know. Um, but I think, I think the Yankees are going to continue to keep rolling. I think Tampa, uh, might be a, a slightly better team, slightly. Now, you know, if we, if, if, and, and maybe this is what we talk about next, the idea that, the, bet, the top five Rockies players are better than the top five Tampa Bay Rays players. Right. However, the next five, <laughs> yeah, the edge right. goes to Tampa. The next five goes to Tampa, et cetera, et cetera, on down right. the line. As I said right. yesterday, they had like 20 guys with positive war. So they're just loaded, and the Yankees are always loaded, even when you have guys that just really aren't producing. Out of nowhere, they can produce. Gary Sanchez did it. Uh, in game two with a three-run – or actually in game one, excuse me, even though Kyle Higashioka was Garrett Cole's guy. He was he was his caddy. No, Boone went with Gary Sanchez, and Gary Sanchez produced because he's wearing – well, he's not wearing the pinstripes, but he's wearing New York across his great uniform. So I think they're going to continue that mojo. And yeah. so my DraftKings pick of the week is going to be the New York Yankees to win that series against Tampa. Right now it's minus 148. Uh, I think it's probably going to increase, so get in on that now so you can get your best possible payout. DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week, Yankees over Rays in the Division Series.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good pick. And and you're right, man, like over the course of 162, all that depth will really play out. And when other teams are on their fourth and fifth starter, or they're banged up, or they've got three guys in their bullpen who aren't available, and you could just keep growing dudes out there, you're gonna be one of the better teams in baseball, and you're gonna do so consistently. And the Rays have have been that, but a you know, five game set where well, you're not gonna see anybody's fourth or fifth game starter, and you're not gonna see anybody's middle of the rotation guys ever, and uh, middle I'm sorry, middle of the bullpen guys ever, and you're it, a guy like Aaron Judge or DJ LeMahieu. Um, or a suddenly hot Gary Sanchez can win you a game, which can win you a series, uh, when you have the singular talents like that, or, or Garrett Cole, who can shut you down and just win a ball game by himself. And so that of course the Yankees have depth as well, but they also have that superstar talent that can win you individual games in that moment. And, and that's what we've seen, you know, um, Bieber had been the best pitcher in the American League all year, but you don't pitch every single game against the Yankees. You get a couple against the Royals and the Tigers and the Angels, who don't let Mike Trout. It's that great line I've said it before, and I love it every time I think of this one from Sports Night. And I think about Mike Trout. And it's the Barry Bonds line and the the woman talking to the sports reporter saying. The Giants are going to go all the way this year. What about Barry Bonds? He says, well, unfortunately, the rules of baseball permit Barry Bonds from batting both before and after himself, and he probably can't play left field and pitch at the same time. And that that's the game that we're in, right? Like, <laughs> that is the game that we're in. But when you have those guys, once you do have the other people who are hanging around to do it, they're tough to beat, man. I think this is the Yankees here, actually.
1: Yeah, it, it it will certainly be interesting to see because Yankees were only two and eight against Tampa in the regular season. But if if any team is is gonna make you say all bets are off, no pun intended here, since we're talking about DraftKings, it's it's the Yankees and you're gonna go, well they'll they'll find out a way. And there's there's bad blood between those two teams. There's some juice in between those those two squads, and you would go like well I've, I obviously everyone is maybe going to have an issue with the Yankees but the Yankees have an issue with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, they've got a little bit of swagger. You know, yeah. they've got a lot of guys that can shove in that bullpen in a major way and the Rays are also, you know, loaded with former San Diego Padres players. Manny Margot yeah. hit one in the game 1, Hunter Renfro hit one in game 2. Um so it's uh it's it's interesting that these ex-Padres players may go a lot longer in the postseason than the actual Padres who are now down one game to none going into Thursday night's game two uh, against Yadier Molina and the Cardinals. Yeah. They they could be done before they even get started.
0: They they could very well be done before they get started. And all those guys that they traded off in the 12 moves they made at the deadline are still out there playing baseball. How bizarre. <laughs> baseball it's a funny game and Patrick you teed me up for that last thing that I wanted to talk about there, which was of course, um, because I think of the broadcast in Game One, this there, there was an outpouring of just, of course, Yadier Molina is a Hall of Famer, and there has been some backlash to that sentiment, uh, especially amongst I think the the stat heavy crowd and and on Twitter, a lot of the people that I've you know seen pointing out um, anything from his basic slash line to his war and how it's uh, uh the, for whatever reason i don't know like who got together and decided the bullet point was going to be jason kendall i don't know who dragged jason kendall into this was <laughs> a good catcher <laughs> like poor jason kendall like why am i being used as the example of not a hall of famer like what the heck man did i ever do uh but they have like r- roughly equal wars right and and so there's there's been this conversation of is Yadier Molina a Hall of Famer? If so, is he a slam dunk Hall of Famer? And if so, why? And Patrick, I know you broached this subject on Twitter uh, not that long ago and and also got a bit of pushback from the idea that uh, Yadier Molina is a slam dunk Hall of Famer. And we should both start this caveat with something you said at the time and something I said to, to Jesse Spector again today on Twitter, which was, we can haggle over whether or not he should be. And that's a good conversation. We're about to have it. But let's all understand one thing very clearly. Yadier Molina is going into the Hall of Fame and he's going in on the first ballot, almost certainly second ballot at the latest. And so so we should understand why that's the case.
1: Yeah, precisely. You know, he, yeah, if you're looking at it from a sabermetric perspective there are guys that you know maybe don't hold up when you start crunching the numbers and you know manipulating them and and I think for the most part you know um, those kind of analytics catch the guys that maybe are forgotten about, or like, look at Larry Walker. I mean, if it wasn't for the sabermetric community and, and really looking at what he was able to do, you know, with his slash lines of of batting average on base percentage and slugging OPS plus, and all of those things to put it in context, you go, Oh, wow. All right. Well, he didn't hit 500 home runs and all right. Yeah. He didn't get 3000 hits, but wow. During his time, he really was one of the best players. Now he might not have been the best player, but he was, when healthy, one of the best players at the time. And yeah, he missed a lot, but he was also there a lot. So it's, you know, there are a lot of guys that get hurt and you go, they just didn't have long enough of a career or there's just too many what ifs. Larry Walker still had the numbers there. You know, he, if he was a little bit healthier, the numbers would have been there. There are guys that that even if they were a little healthier, they would have only had half the numbers of Larry Walker. So you you have to be healthy, you have to have longevity. But if you're if you're missing maybe in those those tabulating stats and those counting stats like Larry Walker did, we've got analytics to try to catch that. So uh, it is interesting to to look at Yachty's numbers and then say, oh yeah, I'm, I guess it's not like overwhelming like according to jaws which is a, a i love looking at jaws uh, created yep. by jay jaffe um and and it's a system he created to again that's probably doesn't doesn't it's not one size fits all but it's a real good way of giving you an idea of where a player is where you know it combines a lot of different details from their you know career war their uh their best seven consecutive seasons because you say all right well look at sandy koufax he, his numbers are, you know, his career numbers, you know, lack a little, you know, to, to be wanted. Yeah. But he was so incredibly dominant when he did play that you go, all right, we can overlook that. And he's been like the one exception since he played like exactly 10 seasons. He looks at, uh, Jaws looks at all-star game appearances, uh, MVP voting, which is super important. And it doesn't actually take the postseason into it at all which i think is one of the reasons yeah. why you say well he's 24th all time as a catcher uh, dude's got two rings takes the cardinals you know leads that pitching staff takes him into the playoffs almost each and every year and i think one of the stats that you know really gets overlooked as far as helping a guy's case i think in todd helton this could hurt his case and it's it's a real simple stat this is one of the things that that's hurting todd helton but I think it's not – it won't be the be-all, end-all. I think I think voters will eventually get over that. But the one stat I think that can help you is simply all-star game appearances. If yeah. you are voted in a lot, that means something, right? And we know guys get in maybe when they shouldn't. Brian LaHare, look him up. He was a guy who was an all-star hey. for the Cubs once. But we're talking about the top end. So Todd Helton had – three all-star appearances. Yeah. So you go, well, obviously he's not a hall of famer. Well, pump the brakes again, played in the national league during the steroid era at first base where there's always stars. Fred McGriff was another guy whose all-star appearances were really tamped down. But for Yadier Molina, he's been an all-star nine times. I think even seven uh, consecutive seasons at one point. And there's only uh, one guy ahead of him. Excuse me. There are two guys ahead of him that have had more All-Star Game appearances that are not in the Hall of Fame. One of them is Elston Howard, who eventually should get in. Uh, he was the first black player for the New York Yankees. I think he'll be, again, he can only get in via Veterans Committee. And two other guys that you hear talked about amongst the greatest of all time, Del Crandall and Bill Freehan, who was a great catcher with the Detroit Tigers during the 60s. And they will and may eventually get in. But you go down the list, a guy like Ted Simmons, He just got in through the Veterans uh, Committee, only had eight All-Star Game appearances. Uh, You can probably look and say, well, Brian McCann was a better catcher. He only had seven. So I don't know. It's a a very simplistic stat, but I think it shows a lot to say, like, man, every year you're there, you're one of the best at your position. Yeah, maybe we're only talking about July, the beginning of July, but you were one of the best at your position consistently, All-Star Game appearances.
0: Yeah. I think one of the things, Patrick, that uh, can often get lost in this conversation, and I pointed this out to somebody today, is like, look, if it was only about your statistics on the baseball field, we wouldn't need people to vote. There wouldn't be members of the BBWAA out there voting and creating a Hall of Fame. It would simply be, hey, did you post 50 or more or 55 or more career FWR Cool, you're in the Hall of Fame. Or did you have a slash, slash line of X or better? Cool, then you're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's always going to be data to interpolate here. And there has also been always the conversations that while they bug me 100% of the time when they're used against people like all-star game appearances, which equate to fame, right? It's all about the fame part of it as well. There is that element of people knowing who Yadier Molina is, is him being not just on, on two world championship teams, but also on teams that were regularly a threat to win it, were always in the postseason. And that he, I, I, yeah, the, the biggest, the, the all-star games and the fame and all of that stuff that, you know, would sort of drive me crazy when people say, well, they don't know who Todd Helton or Larry Walker were, or Derek Jeter did so much in the postseason Larry Walker didn't. My uh, position on that is, a lack of postseason appearances and or production should really not cost you in your baseball hall of fame case. I but it should absolutely help you if you have it, if yeah. it's there. And and I said that during the Jeter stuff, and I said that really does put any doubt about whether or not his middling numbers should put him into the hall of fame. So consistency says I've got to say the exact same thing about Yadier Molina, about whether all of that postseason stuff now. He wasn't great in the postseason. He wasn't bad either, but that's the hitting stuff, the hitting stuff, the hitting stuff. And look, you got to hit some, and he's had some great years at the plate, but everybody knows two things. One, Yadier Molina's biggest value comes from what he does behind the plate. And two, we're still in our infancy. No matter how confident you are, in a particular catcher stat to measure some part of the defense. If you really like framing stats, like bring me the person who lo- who's like really, really confident in framing stats. Even the people that use them know that like, oh, we're getting closer, right? Like we don't. And we've talked about this a, a ton on the podcast when it comes to Tony freaking Walters, who deserves to be discussed about whether it's framing uh, throwing the ball to, down to any of the bases, working with your pitchers, studying opposing lineups, all the stuff that can't be measured. And, you know, bring me the person who who will say Yadier Molina wasn't elite at all of that. And that was his number one job.
1: And And but sure. to jump in there. That's not just a facet of Yadier Merlina. It's a facet of any catcher. Any yeah, catcher. if Buster Posey and Joe Mauer are doing it at the plate, that probably you know covers up any of the the faults that they may have behind the plate. And you go, yeah, but look what he's doing at the plate. That is so unique. Even without that, you can look at what any catcher is doing behind the plate as their most important job. So it's not even just Molina. It's all catchers across Burberry the board. Catcher.
0: Right. And that's how and and that's why I would apply this exact same standard and eventually will to any catcher who would be considered for the Hall of Fame. And so somebody threw Joe Maurer actually at me today. And I was like, ah, that's interesting. I've got to go and take a look at that. And I've got to study his defense a bit more because I don't know as well. I do as one, a National League guy and two, look, I'm what just throw all the shame on my face, whatever, as a former catcher, as a a person who oftentimes watches the game from the perspective of that position particularly and, and who just loves watching catchers, he's one of the greatest I've ever seen. He's probably the greatest defensive catcher of a generation, and I don't think that there's a stat that's going to back that up for you, but the fact that Adam Wainwright is still out there throwing complete games at 40 years old And that they've had like a thousand games together and all this stuff like that stuff. It's not an accident and it's not, he's not the only catcher to have done X, Y, and Z for no reason. He's so, so much a part of the success of the perennial success of the St. Louis Cardinals. And so to boil down what his value to his team was to his slash line or his WRC plus, or even to his war and stuff like that, I feel like, you know, more than it does for other players, for, for a catcher, it's going to miss the point.
1: Yeah, he, he's, you know, just so well-respected in the game. And a lot of players have respect. But, you know, when you, when you watch those videos when a guy gets, you know, into the Hall of Fame and the old-timers are talking about, you know, a guy from their era who gets in either, you know, veterans committee or otherwise, they say, man this was the guy that when he came up, we were so afraid of him, this, that, and the other. And you go, wow. Okay. Like, you know, sure. The, the, uh, um, the Knights of the keyboard, as Ted Williams called it, you know, the baseball writers association of America, you go, Oh, just because that those guys think that this players uh, should be in the hall of fame. Yeah. I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. But when you hear Hank Aaron or Johnny Bench, or Chipper Jones, any of those guys from any era, talking about another player and and with with certain reverence, you go, oh, okay, yeah, all right, maybe this guy does belong. And I think that's the case with Yadier Molina for what he does as a leader in the clubhouse, on the field, and again, just the fact that every year you can almost count on him you know making the all-star game. And again, what he's doing behind the plate is a job as a catcher that any catcher is is just his consistency and being healthy. We've we've been talking about it this offseason with Ryan Altapia and yeah. how and and Nolan Arenado, how valuable it's how valuable it's been to be able to write their names in the lineup on an everyday basis because they play hurt, they play banged up and they have just this innate ability to not get themselves hurt enough to go on the IL. They're able to stick it out, yeah. and Yadier Molina has been one of those guys where no. you know he's going to be challenging the the all time uh, record for for innings and games behind the plate. Pudge Rodriguez, uh, of course, has that one. So he's he's had over two thousand games wow. behind the plate, countless innings, and and Joe Maurer was a guy you mentioned. He is at about 52 percent of his career as a catcher. A catcher. So. Um, Again, that's, it's really no fault of his own that he had to move over to first base and spend some time as a DH. Uh, that is, that is the one part of the argument where I go, I don't, I'm not sure how to contextualize that because yeah. he was only a catcher for, you know, a part of his career, a large part, right? Cause it's 52%. Yeah. Um, but I think the fact that he did win, um, you know, three batting titles as a catcher, the only player, uh, to do it, uh, snapping Ernie Lombardi's, uh, catching record i think he's borderline i think that's too. enough he's, he's, I, he's, I think he's, he's gonna he's get real, in you know? he's a guy that to me is borderline but again you talk to enough baseball people and and you see the reverence they have for a guy like joe mauer he's getting in uh maybe not first ballot but i think like second it it'll also be the
0: mysticism soon. like people don't even realize too like people like joe mauer was a great three four five sport athlete like joe mauer could play do anything he he was like, guy was insane. Uh, so,
1: and now yeah. that I now that I even think about it, like the argument against is like, well, man, I really wish he would have played more games as a catcher. How about Patrick? As I'm talking to myself, dude, right. he had an ability to not just be competent behind the plate, but be very good defensively behind the plate, and then. Like six four or some nonsense. How big and, yeah. and then go out and be the best hitter in the hitter, American League. Yeah. Best hitter Damn. three times led the league in batting average. No catcher has ever done that. No. So it doesn't, it's not as if, oh yeah, but after 12 seasons as a catcher, that's when you can officially, you know, that's Start. when you gain <laughs> yeah. eligibility to win three batting titles. <laughs> yeah. No, it's that singular he season. And he wow, was able he was, to do yeah. that. So Sure, yeah, he had to change positions, but, I mean, the that's why I, I think he he's getting in. Um, and he, again, might not have the numbers, might not be as flashy. And, again, it was a shorter period of time. But those that's the two different types of ways you can get in the Hall of Fame. Either you do it for a short amount of time at the top of your game, or you do it over a longer period of time towards the top, like a Craig Biggio, towards yeah. the top.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I'd think i have to vote for both of them. So, uh, All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for us on a quicker one here today. I want to appreciate everyone for hanging out with us. I do want to plug something that I'm working on. You got to subscribe to the dnvr.com because I am pouring deep inside the numbers, stories, and narratives of one DJ LeMayhew. You may have heard of him before. You may have also heard that after moving on from the Colorado Rockies, he's become a much better baseball player and deserves much more accolades, not just because he's playing under the bright lights of New York City, but that he has somehow reinvented himself. And I'm here to tell you friends, probably not, uh, but check out all of the details on that. I've got lots of numbers and data and charts and pictures of ponies and No, no, there's no pictures of ponies. PowerPoint?
1: <laughs> Is this actually more of a PowerPoint than an article?
0: Yeah, it's basically, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. you're <laughs> They come in, everybody sit in the dark, have a slice of day old pizza and I'm going to point up at the projector board and explain to you exactly why DJ LeMayhew might just be exactly the guy we've always known and loved and why even further we've got to get better at this statistical understanding of Coors Field. So stay tuned for all of that. Make sure that you're subscribed to the dnvr.com. It's the only way you're going to be able to read this monstrosity of a piece that I'm putting together. Drew, I got,
1: I got to ask you real quick. Yeah. had a conversation with someone today on LeMahieu. Would you say probably, definitely not, or maybe DJ LeMahieu this offseason gets a four-year $25 million annual deal? hundred million dollar contract. Ooh. Probably, probably not, or maybe. Maybe. I think he'll yeah. I still think he'll
0: get less than that. Um yeah. but maybe I I could see a team saying You know, maybe the the thing is, I don't think he's viewed as a franchise shifter and I don't think he should be. I, I, he's a great ball player, but
1: the Yankees would be the only team that would give him that much. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. But maybe, maybe. Okay. But maybe watch that. Watch the uh, ALCS ALDS playoffs and every hit that (laughs) every, (laughs) every hit or RBI that DJ Lemayhew has, so if he hits a home run, That's an extra two million dollars you can add to the end. Right now he's at about, I would say seventy. Yeah. So do the math and and you'll see where he's at.
0: Tack them up. I think so. (laughs) Well, if you want to keep up to date with all that, then you got to hang out with us on social media. You got to follow us at Patrick D Lyons at Drew Kriesman at DNVR underscore Rockies. Uh, You got to hang out with us and become a member of the thing. Uh, By the time you're here in the podcast, the sale might be over. But if you're here on the live, go take advantage of the sale at dnvrlocker.com. A lot of stuff real cheap right now. Shirts, hats, masks, all that good stuff. Swing on by the DNVR bar sometime. Let them know. I think the Broncos are getting ready to play right now as we speak. So that's one live sporting event per week that we'll still have going on. But there will still be sports on, man. Still stuff. Appreciate you being absolutely awesome out there. I promise you that we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Kreisman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.